This is Inputs, the podcast by Top Crop Manager, Canada's national source for the latest agronomic research, crop production, and technology trends. You've tuned in to hear conversations about relevant research, best production practices, and everything in between. Turn your bins into a profit center with OPI Blue Wireless Grain Management System. OPI Blue allows you to improve your moisture control through more accurate drying and minimizing your shrink. Just a 1% improvement in your moisture control can add thousands of dollars into your pocket by maximizing the selling price of your grain. OPI Blue never stops. It's always monitoring your grain, which you've put a significant amount of time and money into. Protect your hard-earned investments for a minimal cost with OPI Blue. Learn more by visiting advancedgrainmanagement.com. Hi, everyone, and thanks for joining us for this episode of Inputs, the podcast by Top Crop Manager. I'm Stephanie Crowley, and I'm here today with Christine Brown from Omafra. Hi, Chris. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, Stephanie. You're welcome. For those who don't know you, which I'm sure a lot of a lot of our listeners do already know you, can you just introduce yourself and, and what your role is at the Ontario Ministry of Agriculture, Food and Rural Affairs? Sure. I'm a field crop sustainability specialist, and uh, I work out of the Woodstock Resource Centre, um, currently at home, of course, mm-hmm. and I cover a lot of, of issues with manure. Excellent. So manure is uh, something that we're going to chat about a little bit today in a couple of different ways, but... The one thing I wanted to discuss with you today, Chris, is applying manure after wheat harvest is done, especially if a fall cover crop is going in. So um, depending on where you are in Ontario and, and when you're listening to this, wheat harvest will be underway or maybe complete in some areas. Um, and, uh, you know, like we we chatted about earlier, uh, cover crop decisions will have already been made, but cover crops are still something that a lot of producers haven't adopted yet. And, and uh, we know that they're up next in a lot of fields, but for those who aren't familiar with the benefits of cover crops yet, Chris, maybe you can briefly share some of those benefits, especially when we use a cover crop after winter wheat. Cover crops has very has a lot of benefits. And depending on what your goal is, uh, it can be a benefit for reducing compaction or alleviating compaction. It can be an opportunity to get just more organic matter into the soil. Uh, it can help with, with soil erosion or preventing soil erosion, give the soil a little bit more, more structure. But cover crops in a wheat rotation, um, by having the wheat in the rotation, you spread the weather risks of too wet a spring or too dry a spring or too wet a fall, too dry. Like it just spreads out those risks and it balances that workload, especially mm-hmm. if, if somebody is short on labor or equipment. And so having wheat in rotation and that opportunity to, to have cover crops, especially for livestock farms where you've got some fields that are farther away from the manure storage, um, you don't have time to get there early in the spring or late in the fall. And the season after wheat harvest generally has lower risk of compaction and lower risk of nutrient losses. So from a from a applying manure into growing crops and in a, a good season for preventing environmental losses, um, wheat cover crops after wheat is great. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So is, are there specific cover crops that you could recommend or, or suggestions that you could make for farmers, you know, looking to choose a cover crop for their farm, particularly after wheat harvest? Is there something that works really well? It depends a little bit on what the cover crop goals are. Um, so for, for dairy farmers, for example, or for beef farmers, or for, for areas where there hasn't been enough rainfall and uh, forage supplies are short or in demand, mm-hmm. um, 
something like oats or something like a, a cereal crop that can be harvested for forage feeding is going to be a, a big benefit. Uh, like I said before, erosion control. Um, some people like oats for oats or cereal crops for um, weed control. It, it prevents flea bane. It prevents some of those perennials from getting established. Yeah. Organic matter levels will sometimes impact what cover crop you use. Um, alleviating compaction might be another goal. So, so crops like red clover that get applied into like frost seeded into a wheat crop um, will have longer to grow and sometimes give you some benefits that a cereal crop can't. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that that would be considered is is what kind of manure is the manure going on at the same time as the the cover crop, and that's sometimes going to affect the cover crop um, decisions as well. One of the things with um, when manure is being applied, some people like diverse eight-way mixes that have mm-hmm. a lot of different cover crops for diversity, but we found with manure application that especially liquid manure that you tend to get more um, the dominant species take control. Mm-hmm. And so you get a lot of the, um, the daikon radish, um, the, the oats or the, the rye, you get less of those um, other mixes like the sun hemp or the phacelia or the uh, crimson clover. They, they just don't compete with, with the nutrients and the dominant crops. Okay. So uh, in those cases, it's better to stick with simple mixes. Right. Okay. That's good to know. Um, and you started, started talking about manure here and that's really what I wanted to get into a little bit more. So let's talk about how and when manure should be applied when you're planting on cover crop. So do you have any suggestions or, uh, kind of best practices? Is it better to go before the cover crop is planted? Um, or is it better to go after? It, it, I'm not sure if there's a right answer. Uh, there's compromises with, with manure, obviously, and, and with, with maximizing the nutrients. Mm-hmm. But I think, and every farm is different, so it, it will depend on on what other things are going on on the farm, even vacation schedules. Sure. Um, but some things that do impact when a cover crop is applied or, or planted, um, what are the soil moisture levels? If it's extremely dry and it's, it's drought-like conditions, well, you can plant a cover crop, but not much is going to happen. So if you've got good soil moisture levels, um, lots more opportunities. Weather forecasts, if, if there's a lot of rain in the forecast, and sometimes the decision to, to uh, apply the manure and plant the cover crop later or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, equipment and labor vi- availability and, and weed pressure as well. If you've got a lot of weeds and you have to control them before you can plant the cover crop, um, that will impact that decision. But um, if, if, this, if seed is being, like I guess the easiest is if you broadcast the seed and apply the manure the same day, potentially even in the same pass, mm-hmm. like slurry seeding, or you've got an air seeder attached to the manure spreader. Mm-hmm. Um, that's easiest. It's probably the safest for, for maximizing the nutrients, especially from liquid manure. The thing, though, that you have to be careful with in that situation is if the, let's say it's a liquid hog manure, high salts, um, if you apply that manure at a high rate, plant the cover crop at the same time, there is that possibility for some salt injury and reduced emergence. Okay. Putting the manure down after the cover crop emerges, that one can be a little tricky. It's best to wait for some, some cover crop growth. Um, the greatest amount of damage I've seen occurs when the cover crop has just emerged, and then you get the manure application onto that new crop, um, especially with narrow spread pattern where you've got more wheel track. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can really see those wheel tracks. It, it really seems to impact that, that new cover crop as it's emerging. Right. Um, 
The other option is having the established cover crop grow for a while and then either broadcasting or better yet, uh, injecting manure. Often it'll be early or mid-September. Um, the benefit there is the cover crop still responds to the manure that's being applied. The, the disadvantage is you don't get the maximum advantage of that nitrogen. Some of it potentially right. can volatilize. Uh, right. with, some of, with some materials like solid manures, that's less of a risk, but then it just has to be uniform application so that you don't get um, clumpy, clumpy patches. Okay. Okay. And that kind of leads into my next question. I was going to ask you about kind of maximizing that application and minimizing some of the loss, because I know that there might be, as you mentioned previously, benefits to um, broadcasting versus injecting it um, and and when to make those decisions. Um, and so is there anything further you can add, I guess, about kind of minimizing as much loss as possible? Yeah, it really it really depends on the type of manure. Uh, mm-hmm. If if you've got a, a manure with high pH and you're hoping to get some nitrogen credits for the subsequent crops, uh, there you really want to inject it or incorporate it as quickly as possible because volatilization losses are so high. Mm-hmm. Like I said before, it's it's logistics and it's compromises. Um, surface applying manure, you're going to lose more nitrogen and the risk of, of uh, runoff if you get a big thunderstorm from phosphorus is, is bigger. Right. Injecting the manure retains the most, but uniform placement is important. So if you've got deep injection every 30 inches or two and a half feet, then you can concentrate that manure into bands. And if you've got earthworm channels or root channels, you can increase that risk of preferential flow. So ideally, you're going to incorporate the, the nutrients in that root zone as soon as possible after after application. If you're in a no-till situation or if you've got standing cover crops, that's a little bit harder and that's where you compromise those nutrients. Gotcha. Okay. And what about if you're not planting a cover crop this year? Um, is there anything important to note about a fall manure application uh, when there's no cover crop in the plan? Yeah, there's lots of times where soybeans get harvested or corn gets harvested and there really isn't time for any cover crop except maybe cereal rye um, that you can plant and, and get any kind of growth. So the important thing there is to minimize the environmental impact of, of the manure. So incorporating it as soon as possible, whether that's injection or, or through uh, plowing or cultivating or some other type of tillage, mm-hmm. that's pretty important because especially if phosphorus, if, if we get lots of rain, saturated soils, um, that risk of loss is pretty high. And then the other thing, um, this is true for, for any manure application, but, but especially in the fall when maybe there's a little bit more time, uh, take a sample for analysis so mm-hmm. that the nutrients supplied can be accounted for with the commercial fertilizer. Mm, okay. That's good to know too. Now, um, still staying on the topic of manure, um, there is a really exciting event coming up uh, in a couple of weeks, actually, uh, focused around manure, and that's the North American Manure Expo that you're um, quite involved with. So did you want to share a little bit about that to our listeners? Yeah, we're, uh, we're hosting it from Ontario. So it's uh, unfortunately not a in-person Kick Tires Network event, but we are doing it virtually and we've got lots of things to see. Mm-hmm. Um, We've got uh, equipment demonstrations that are going to feature some of the latest innovations, um, some farm tours of, of farms in the uh, host area, which is around Listowel uh, in Perth County. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got farm tours. Um, we've got a lot of, of educational sessions, um, some, some really cool topics that, that are not only of interest to people with manure, but also people using biosolids or compost or other materials. Um, 
we've topics like determining the real cost of handling manure. We'll have a panel talking about that. Mm -hmm. um, OPACA, which is the Ontario Professional Egg Contractors, are going to share some of the innovations that that uh, that enhance their application and keep uh, the application economical. Uh, On-the-go tracking of applied nutrients, that's with the Harvest 3000 equipment that's got the sensors that track manure uniformity. Mm -hmm. um, compaction, we're going to focus on what is the problem, how can tires and, and uh, inflation deflation systems and other techniques help. Mm -hmm. um, we've got a topic on looking at manure and reducing greenhouse gas emissions, which I think is, is pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. Phosphorus and manure, uh, what, what are the practices? Safe travels, so just uh, tips for staying safe on the road and, and in the field. Um, maximizing growing season in crop application using drag host systems. And then we've got some, some uh, tours, uh, one of the host farm, which is Mapleview Farms, um, the Johnston family. Um, tiny bubbles make me happy. <laughs> Tour on, <laughs> on agitation and aeration in, in, uh, in manure systems. Um, solid innovations, looking at compost pack barns, uh, other solid innovations for, for solid manure systems. Uh, we've got one from flush to field, which is basically just doing an overview of how biosolids processed to, and land applied. We've got one that is on the Soil Interpretive Center. It's uh, soil under our feet. And it's just an overview of some of the research technology at University of Guelph that they use for measuring some of the soil impacts. And the neat thing about this, this virtual event is if you register for it, it is available for the full year. So if you can't come in August, you can come whenever you have time. That's right. Yeah. And that's uh, one of the perks about going virtual this year, for sure, is that uh, the content is available and ready for you to watch whenever you're available. So lots of exciting uh, education sessions and tours and demos, as you mentioned, Chris, and, uh, and lots of CEU, lots of CEU credits. I think there's something right. like 12, 12 nutrient management credits and two soil and water. That's right. Yes. So uh, lots of learning opportunities there too, for uh, anybody collecting uh, CEUs or, or any other uh, professional development credits. So that's great. Um, and, and folks can go to manureexpo.ca to learn more. Is that correct? Yep. That's where you register. Excellent. So be sure to check that out. Um, and uh, anything else before we wrap up here, Chris? Um, not that I can think of. No. Alrighty. Well, I appreciate your time and, uh, and joining us today for the podcast and, uh, hopefully, um, folks getting out there to plant their cover crop soon. will have some good takeaways from this uh, conversation. So I appreciate you joining us today, Chris. Oh, thank you, Stephanie. Thanks for tuning in to inputs, the podcast by top crop manager to catch up on all of our other episodes, visit topcropmanager.com slash podcasts.